welcome to this month's ianabernethy.com podcast. The topic of this month's podcast is Kata, why bother? As you've just heard, the topic for this month's podcast is Kata, why bother? Um, before we get on to discuss the, uh, the value or lack thereof of Kata, um, you probably already know where I'm going with uh, with that one, but <laughs> I'd just like to take a moment anyway to thank everybody for the feedback on last month's podcast. Um, as you know, we did something a little bit different, and we had an audio workout. Uh, you'd listen to the tape as you um, tape. God, that sounds old-fashioned, didn't it? You listen to the, the uh, MP3 as you uh, work out on the bag, and it obviously gives you instructions, and you know you get a workout through doing that. And that was uh, really popular. We got some great feedback from it, so we'll um, do some more of those in future and mix up the theory and the uh, practice and hopefully give you a nice range of podcasts you can uh, you can draw on. So for this month's podcast, it's, it's back to the theory and we'll be discussing um, the value of uh, kata. So that's the introduction over and done with, so I'll shut up and uh, we'll get right into the main body of uh, this month's podcast. There are many differing views on the value of kata. Kata is regarded by some to be the very soul of the martial art, but by others it's regarded as a complete waste of time, and to my mind both views have merit, depending what is meant by kata and how uh, kata is approached. One thing I think all martial artists can agree on, that the study of kata is definitely not a prerequisite for combative effectiveness. There are many highly effective martial artists that do not include kata on their curriculum. A look at the effectiveness of able practitioners of many catalyst systems also shows that you can definitely produce effective martial artists without resorting to kata. So if kata training is not a must in order to develop fighting skill, why do traditional systems like karate even bother with kata? I mean, to fully understand that question and to fully explore it, uh, we need to understand why kata were created in the, uh, the first place. Um, somebody somewhere must have believed that kata served a useful purpose, otherwise kata would never have come into being. So, by way of an example, let's discuss uh, the creation of the kata Chinto, uh, which has uh, been renamed Gankaku in Shotokan Karate. Chinto uh, kata is named after a Chinese martial artist and sailor of the same name. And during the 1800s, Chinto uh, became shipwrecked on Okinawa and set up home in a, in a, a cave. Finding himself stranded and unable to go back home, Chinto uh, began to steal food and livestock from the locals at night in order to feed himself. Now, this unwelcome behaviour uh, was reported to the Okinawan king, who sent Matsumura, who's a legendary karate master and was employed by the king as his chief bodyguard, uh, to deal with the situation. Now, Matsumura was a very skilled fighter who normally defeated his opponents with ease. However, when confronted with uh, Matsumura, uh, Chinto fought back and Matsumura found himself equally matched. So, always keen to further advance and uh, enhance his formidable skills, Matsumura d made a deal with Chinto. He would take care of him in exchange for instruction in Chinto's uh, fighting methods. Now, upon Chinto's return to China, Matsumura formulated uh, the kata, uh, named after the originator of the methods it contained, to ensure that Chinto's methods were recorded and passed on to future generations. Now, many other kata were also developed by an individual students in order to record what they'd been taught. Um, for example, Kishanku kata and Wanshu kata are also named after Chinese martial artists who uh, visited Okinawa. So what 
eventually became known as karate. He's in fact a mix of many different fighting systems. You know, I mean, cross training is nothing new. Uh, the past masters used kata as a means to record the lessons they learned from various individuals and fighting systems, uh, so they could then pass those lessons on to others. Um, we can also learn more about the nature of kata by examining uh, some of the uh, teachings and writings of uh, Motobu, who was one of Okinawa's most feared fighters. Uh, Motobu helped spread karate throughout mainland Japan through his widely reported victory over a Russian boxing champion in a uh, Judoka versus boxers tournament. Um, now it's said that Motobu entered the tournament because he needed the prize money in order to pay his, uh, pay his rent. Um, karate wasn't well known at the time and uh, Motobu entered the tournament as a judoka because he found the uh, the rules upon, opposed on the uh, judoka to be the, uh, um, the least restrictive. Um, so Motobu again very quickly um, defeated the, uh, the 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 boxer that he faced, and, and, and news about this bout uh, rapidly spread throughout Japan, and people wanted to know more about the system that allowed uh, an aging Motobu to easily defeat his opponent. Yeah. Uh, and as a result of this interest in publicity, Motobu, you know, went on to become a professional teacher. Now, when people went to train with Motobu, they went to him to learn how to fight, uh, and Motobu regarded the study of kata, specifically Nahanshi, to be an important part of that process. Um, now, in Okinawan Kempo, um, Motobu's book, uh, translated by uh, Ken Talek, um, when discussing kata, it, it said that Motobu said, um, the Nahanshi, Pasai, Chinto, and Rohai styles are not left in China today, and only remain in Okinawa as active martial arts. Now, now, personally, I've always found it interesting that Motobu uh, refers to the katas lifted as styles and martial arts. Um, I mean, we can read into that that Motobu considered each um, kata to be a record of a, uh, you know, a full fighting system. So, from the examples of Chinto, Matsumura, and Motobu, and there's many others as well, but we can see that kata were developed to ensure that the most effective methods of a particular individual or style were, were not lost. Um, I think we can therefore define kata as a way to record and summarize the key combative techniques and principles of a fighting style. Now, Matsumura and Motobu were very able fighters. Uh, Matsumura was the chief bodyguard to an Okinawan king, which is obviously a high-profile, high-status job that would only be given to the most able of fighters. You're not going to give that job to a guy who can't fight. Um, and Motobu was of note who has tested his skills uh, hundreds of times without defeat in, in, in many a brawl. Um, both Matsubura and Motobu were pragmatic fighting men, and they would have had little interest in kata unless they believed it served a practical purpose. As a way to record techniques, drills and principles, kata certainly works. I mean, hundreds of years after Chinto finished teaching Matsumura his fighting method, we modern karateka have a record of the key points of Chinto's teaching. However, over time, kata has drifted away from being viewed as a record of highly potent fighting methods, and it's instead it's, it's generally considered to be an athletic or an aesthetic pursuit that has little or no relation to actual combat. Regardless of how kata may be perceived today, for a karateka with an interest in the original fighting system, uh, kata provides a living link back to that system. So to practice uh, karate as a pragmatic, uh, pragmatic system, kata needs to be actively studied as opposed to just practiced. Uh, Gichin Funakoshi, the founder of Shotokan Karate, uh, considered the practice of kata without learning to apply them in live situations to be useless. Um, numerous other masters were also very critical of karateka, who only emphasised the aesthetic performance of kata. So, uh, to my mind, without in-depth study of the uh, the bunkai, the application of the kata, uh, kata practice loses all meaning. Uh, we should always keep in mind that kata were created to record fighting techniques and principles. 
Kata is a record of the, of the fighting systems that combine to form karate. So I mean, it's the original syllabus, if you like. Uh, in Jeff Thompson's book, The Pavement Arena, which I highly recommend, um, there's a paragraph in there, and, and Jeff, who was, you know, is a you know, leading realist, you know, as practical as it gets. But in, in this book, Jeff says, um, it's not that the content of the karate syllabus is lacking, more that the syllabus is not fully utilised. A closer look at kata will divulge not only the manoeuvres we have known to, uh, come to know and love, but also grappling movements, throws, hook and uppercut punches, eye gouges, grabs, knee strike, ample uh, stamps, joint strikes, head butting and even ground fighting. Have a look in your own dojo on how much of this information has been discovered, utilised and taught therein. Uh, when I had my own karate club, all these techniques were, um, were, were taught and covered. And why? Because they compass every eventuality in all scenarios and necessity if one is to be prepared for an attack. Um, so I think that's a great paragraph that succinctly sums up the key issues relating to kata and modern karate. Uh, many karateka ignore the lessons of kata and therefore inadvertently practice karate as a partial art. Without an understanding of kata, karate is a grossly inadequate and incomplete system. As Jeff says, if we uh, fully utilise a syllabus, uh, then karate is effective. And as we've already discussed, for karate, and that's like it, then kata is the syllabus. Now, can you imagine what a state karate would be in without kata? We would have no syllabus to work to. Everything that the masters, uh, past masters had discovered, perfected, learnt, taught and used would be lost. All we would have left would be the modern techniques of karate's competitive offspring. Now, don't get me wrong, I have a great respect for the athleticism of modern karate's competitive wing. However, it has to be said that for the everyday karateka, the techniques of competition are woefully inadequate for use outside the tight confines of the, uh, the sporting environment. Now, the drift away from combative, uh, the combative methods recording in the katas towards competitive sport began as soon as karate made its way to mainland Japan. While some were interested in the, the fighting art of karate, students of Motobu, for example, uh, the Japanese were generally keen to create martial sports out of the martial arts. Uh, Kenjitsu would give way to kendo, jujitsu to judo, and so on. So if karate was to thrive in Japan, it would also need to adopt the, uh, the prevail, uh, prevailing ethos. To be embraced by the Japanese community at that time, karate would need uh, a standard training uniform, a ranking system and a method of competition. All of which <laughs> were stolen directly from judo. I mean, we train most karateka in, in what's effectively a lightweight judo suit. We have the same ranking system of judo and, you know, the competition's based on Ippons and Mazaris. And again, that's just borrowed from judo. Um, the kind of judoized karate, if you like. Um... Anyway, despite these uh, moves towards uh, sport and physical recreation, kata was still strongly emphasised by the masters of the time. Now, I feel this is undoubtedly so that the original combative system wouldn't be lost to antiquity. Kata has a, um, certainly been successful in that regard, as is evidenced by the ever greater number of karateka that are abandoning modern karate to return to the functional and pragmatic system recorded in the katas. You know, if you listen to this, there's a good chance you're one of them. Um, Kata forms a holistic syllabus of karate, and therefore we need to bother with kata in order to embrace that syllabus. There is definitely merit in kata as a method of recording and preserving techniques and concepts. I mean, the next question is, is the merit in kata as a training method? Um, should we bother with it as a training method? Now, there are essentially two types of kata. Solo kata, and the kata that you perform with a partner. So, in, in modern martial arts, most people associate the term kata with solo kata. Uh, Two-man kata nowadays more often classed as, uh, as drills. Um, and it's almost universally accepted that drilling techniques with a partner, 
two-man kata is a valid training method. It tends to be the value of uh, solo kata that's questioned more vigorously. Um, <laughs> it would seem to make much more sense to practice techniques with a partner than performing them on your own, so why practice solo kata? Surely two-man kata is a better way to practice drills and concepts. Now, drilling techniques with a partner, including sparring, is undoubtedly a more effective training method than solo kata. <laughs> but it's faulty logic to extrapolate that very obvious truth to then state that solo kata has no value. So, for example, getting into a boxing ring and sparring is more realistic than training on a punch bag, you know, because bags don't hit back. Um, so if you apply that same logic um, to kata, you conclude that sparring, is, because sparring is more realistic than hitting a bag, bag work has no value, and therefore boxers should never use a punch bag. Not, and surely you can use a punch bag and spar. Um, you'll develop uh, powerful punching through the bag, and then you'll learn to apply that those in sparring. Um, so like many aspects of martial training, bag work is its most useful when approached as part of the whole. Now in common with bag work, solo kata also needs to be part of the whole in order to derive any real com uh, combative benefit from it. We need to regularly practice techniques with a partner in both compliant and non-compliant ways. But that doesn't mean we should abandon solo kata um, completely. Uh, solo practice and practicing with a partner both have a role to play. Now, kata is often criticised for being an ineffective alternative to two-man training, and the reason for that is uh, solo kata is an ineffective alternative to two-man training. However, those that make that criticism misunderstand the role of kata. I mean, to be fair, there are others who value kata, but again misunderstand its purpose and role, and hence they consider it to be a valid alternative to two-man training, and it isn't. Uh, both positions are flawed because kata isn't an alternative to two-man training or anything else. A pragmatic karateka will practice solo kata, and that's the very syllabus of karate. And they will drill the techniques with a partner, they will practice varying the techniques in accordance with the principles that underlie those techniques, uh, to make them work for them as the individuals they are. They'll spar using those techniques, they'll hit the pads, they'll work out in a bag, they'll lift weights, they'll physically condition themselves, they'll drill strikes, they'll throw locks, chokes, strangles, and the whole range of techniques that are recorded in the kata. In short, they will train all the ways needed to ensure combative effectiveness. Solo kata should be part of a unified whole, not something you do to the exclusion of anything else. On the days where you don't go to the class and thereby you, know, you don't have a training partner, don't take a day off. You can practice solo kata and thereby physically condition yourself as you rehearse the whole um, syllabus of the combative techniques, concepts and movements recorded by the founders of the art. And in addition to your kata, do some bag work, some shadow boxing, some conditioning exercise, and any other amount of the solo training methods that can enhance martial skill. On your days where a training partner is available, then rather than practice a solo kata, you'd definitely be better off practicing the bunkai of the kata. Um, do the, uh, the techniques, corresponding two-man drills, and utilize the whole range of kata techniques in your sparring, with some obvious exceptions in the name of um, health and safety. And if you're an instructor, then you need to teach all aspects of kata. Students need to learn the solo kata. Um, they also need to learn the corresponding two-man techniques, the drills, and the sparring methods associated with the kata. Um, your students will then be practicing the kata in a meaningful way, and will be better able to pass on the skills of the kata uh, uh, recorded in the kata when they themselves become instructors. Uh, so kata is not an alternative or a substitute for two-man training. It's a syllabus that tells us what to do in that two-man training and a means of supplementary solo practice. Now, differing arts have differing ways of recording and passing on skills and information to subsequent generations. Uh, kata forms, you know, whatever you want to call them, are just one method to, cord, to record and pass on information. 
However, Kata have been fairly effective uh, method for doing that. I mean, it's worked for hundreds of years. Um, and for art, they've chosen other ways to ensure continuity of information, then there's certainly no need to bother with Kata. However, for those arts that have historically made use of Kata, practitioners need to in um, ensure that they fully understand them and fully embrace them. So, when modern-day practitioners of karate choose not to bother with kata, they often do so in the name of realism. Um, you know, and you can be an effective martial artist without kata, but what I think they fail to realise is that by abandoning kata, they've abandoned the very syllabus of the original fighting system. Um, without kata, all that remains of karate is a shell of the original art, and, you know, modern-day sporting techniques have been added onto that, you know. There's no need to reinvent the wheel, all the information's there. Um, so, kata has great value when uh, correctly uh, approached. It's, it's the very thing that ensures karate is a workable system. If we approach kata in the way we were originally supposed to, we'll ensure that karate remains a functional, holistic and uh, a pragmatic system. So, well, I hope that podcast has given you some ideas of um, why we should bother with kata and why it um, has value. <laughs> I get that I'm probably preaching to the converted on this podcast, but you know, it's worth discussing because we spend a lot of time on it and we need to make sure that uh, our time's uh, spent correctly. So um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Um, if you want to know when the next ones uh, will be available, you can uh, subscribe via iTunes now. Just type my name into the search engine, uh, Ian Abernethy, I-A-I-N-A-B-E-R-N-E-T-H-Y. You'll see them there. And better than that even is to visit uh, the website, www.ianabernethy.com, and subscribe to the newsletters, where you'll get the two free books and once a month you'll get a... Um, <laughs> an ever-increasing, well, it's about what now, averaging about seven to 10,000 words each newsletter, which has information and, you know, things that hopefully you'll enjoy and they'll back up these podcasts as well. So um, thanks once again for listening in. I appreciate uh, your support and I hope you found the podcast enjoyable. So um, until next month, I'll, um, I'll, I'll see you soon. Okay, bye now.